Today we start with a question from a reader. I've been dating a guy for three months and while I'm attracted to him and he treats me well, I still have no idea if I want to be with him in the long run. How can I know? My name is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women and your personal trainer for love. Welcome to the Love You podcast. Keep listening to learn how to tell if he's the one. When we're done, I'll let you know how you could apply to Love You to create a passionate relationship that makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. So uh, this is a really tough question. It works a lot better when you're coaching someone on the phone and you could provide a more nuanced answer and hear her individual feelings, her individual situation. This is broad-based blanket advice. It may or may not apply to you, but I want to share my personal story in hopes that it sheds light on your situation if you've gone through this and don't trust your own judgment. So the good news is that if you are ambivalent or confused, that's normal it means you're seeing things clearly. If you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the guy you've been dating for three months is the one, it means you're not thinking very clearly. It means you're probably blinded by chemistry and it's a wonderful feeling and the broken clock is right twice a day. There's, there are a percentage of people who just knew that they were dating the one in the first couple months they were together. The majority of them have ended up breaking up. So that's why I don't trust, oh my God, you just know. Think about every other guy who you just knew and how that story ended. So I don't trust the you just know when he's the one, even though it's a lovely feeling. If I don't trust that feeling, then what are we left with? We're left with people who are what we call in love you, seven chemistry. And we're because we're not blinded by chemistry, we really see them clearly and we're trying to assess is this something that I can do? And I want to share something kind of personal, kind of deep that I don't think you're, you've heard before anywhere else. So when I was dating my wife, as the story goes, a lot of people yell at me for saying things like that, just for telling the truth. But because I wasn't overwhelmed or dazzled, I'm the happiest married guy you'll ever see. So however, however I felt when we first started dating is kind of irrelevant to this question because I, I hit the wife jackpot. But at the time we were dating, because I didn't have that blinding chemistry, because I dated people who were more impressive or younger or educated or fancy colleges and cool cultural touchstones, my wife is super easygoing middle of the road. So I wasn't blown away, right? But again, People hate when I say that. It sounds like I'm putting her down. I'm not putting her down, right? But because I didn't have that feeling, I spent a lot of the time when we were dating really happy and still thinking there's something wrong, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. And I kept on looking for what's wrong and I would dissect trying to find fault, right? And there are flaws. Everybody's got flaws. That's, that's not unusual. You're never going to date someone who's flawless. When you're blinded by chemistry, you sweep the flaws under the rug. When you are confused, you magnify the flaws. This podcast is really personal because I'm sharing with you how I wrestled with the same exact questions. And so I have a belief. You could write this down if you want. You don't know when someone is right. You do know, however, if they're wrong. That's the negative voice. That's the thing you have to, have to listen to. Whatever issues I might have had with my life, my, my wife, they did not indicate that she was the wrong person for me. There were no issues with character or kindness or commitment or consistency or communication. Right? It was, 
well, I'm Jewish and she's Catholic and she's three years older and I want to have two kids and she's, you know, not, you know, she tells stories that go on for 20 minutes and don't always have a beginning, middle or end. And <laughs> these are not, these are not big things. These are things I sort of had to negotiate with the vision of what I thought I'd be with and the person I actually was with. So this, I'm going somewhere. I swear to God, I'm just taking the scenic route there. I never had any evidence that she was the one, but I also didn't have any evidence that she was not the one. There was no compelling reason to break up. That's big, right? If you don't have anything that's, that's obviously saying run, 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 then you stay and you sort of check out the scenery. The problem is at the early phases of the relationship, you don't have enough data to figure out if you can make it for 30 years. That's why we spend so much time on, on the chemistry piece. When we have chemistry, we stop thinking. We make a decision in the first week of dating and then we, we retro, retrofit that. We spend two years trying to fight for something, a decision that we made unconsciously in the first two weeks that we're dating, no matter how terrible he is. Well, I'm in love with him, he's my soulmate. I'm in love with him, he's my soulmate. We're gonna work through this. I didn't have any of that. It was easy. It was fun. It was supportive. I had an amazing relationship that just didn't look or feel like the thing that I thought I was looking for, but everything I thought I was looking for was always wrong. So when we we're dating, I felt not so much that I could do better because I was saying maybe I could do better. Maybe I could do better. When I look back at the 300 dates I'd been on, I clearly hadn't done better. I hadn't had a better relationship. I might've been with people who were more like me, but I hadn't had a better relationship. This relationship was amazing. I believe that you could have a relationship that's amazing and you could still dissect it and try to poke holes in it and find flaws with the person, but it doesn't mean there's anything wrong. The reason I stayed with my wife was because there was no compelling reason to break up. When I thought of doing so, I was like, why would I, why would I self-sabotage? This is, this is amazing. This is the healthiest relationship I ever had. Right, so there's a lot going on in my head. And when you're dating someone and you are confused or ambivalent or you're not deep in love early on, you ask all these questions. And, and um, again, the, the, re the reason I share that is I, I so easily could have passed up my own wife and not had this life, not had this career, not had these kids, not had this message that I so deeply believe in in an almost evangelical way. Right, I so easily could have said, I want someone just like her, but three years younger. That's why I tell you to fight through this ambivalence. Not that the person that you're dating here you're ambivalent with has to be the one. I'm not saying that at all. We're getting to how we know the person's the one, but not bailing on someone just because it doesn't look or feel. Sometimes it's just easier and peaceful and it doesn't feel like love because love has always felt very tempestuous. So it's sort of a confusing feeling, right? And because it's early in the relationship, you don't have enough evidence to know that you're making the right decision. So when I imagined, oh, if my wife went on a business trip to uh, Argentina, which she did once for like two weeks, when she was gone, it's not like I missed her horribly. Oh my God, my heart hurts. I can't, I can't wake up every morning without you. I was like, right, I'm just going to work harder, work hard and catch up with my friends while you're gone. She checked in maybe three times while she was on her business trip because she was really busy, right? That's because it was so early in the relationship. I remembered what my life was like with without her. It was a few months before, of course, I was perfectly fine without her, right? We think that this deep longing is a sign of something. It's not, it's a sign of infatuation. It's a sign of limerence. You need time. This is why we tell people in love you, you got to date for two, three years to go through 
seasons and life cycles and ups and downs and really see where you stand. And because she was 39, I proposed um, before I was ready. I proposed at 16 months, married at 22 months. Um, and I probably didn't know in my heart of hearts that I made the right choice um, for about two and a half years, right? Maybe five, six months into our marriage, it clicked that I did the right thing. Before that, I was still kind of up here uh, worried because I didn't want to make a bad choice. I made a really educated guess. It was the right guess, which is, again, I don't want anybody to have to take a guess. I want you to feel really good about it. But I make it very clear that marrying someone is a choice, like choosing to move cities, choosing to change jobs. Marrying someone's a choice. If it's not a choice, you're not thinking it through. So two and a half years in is when I discovered something that I'm sharing with you, the reason we're doing this podcast. I discovered that my wife had become indispensable to me, that our bond, our shorthand, our history, the life we built together became something I didn't want to live without. I couldn't say that at three months or six months. I couldn't live without her. It was premature for that. Two and a half years in, right? Different story. So first part of our relationship, the dating courtship phase, I couldn't find any compelling reason to break up. Anytime I said something to myself, I was like, oh, that's kind of silly. You're really happy. What's wrong with you? But someone cannot become indispensable until you've really built a life together. That takes time. It validates the concept proven by other people that two to three years is the right time to get engaged and married and not before that. So what I do know, if this sounds subtle and somewhat contradictory, is that regardless of whether you know the person's right and you get lucky that they turn out to be the right person and you're compatible, or you don't know the person's right, right? But then over time, they become indispensable. There are two paths to get to the same place. Your person has to be your favorite person. Something, it sounds simplistic, but it's true. I ask my clients when they're dating guys, I have two clients right now who've got boyfriends and uh, three months in and they're a little confused or ambivalent. Right? Has to be your favorite person to spend time with. The one that you can drive cross country without listening to music, sit in the car and just talk for thousands of miles and still have fun. The person with whom you can make a hundred little decisions a week together. It's the person who, without being the most impressive person, is the person that you want by your side. Because love isn't about finding the most impressive person to show off to your friends. It's about being able to tolerate that person's flaws without wanting to kill them over 40 years. Who's the person where no matter how bad it gets, they're the person who makes, makes you breathe easy, let down your guard, person who makes you laugh. Right. So your takeaway from this, the beginning of dating, screen in, give people on dating apps a chance. It's just conversation. You can't choose a spouse from a dating profile. If you're with someone you really like, who might be your favorite person, but you don't know that it's right, give it more time to build up trust, rapport, shorthand, memories, private jokes, holidays, family, right? And the way you do know is a lack of anxiety, the presence of ease, and the fact that you can't imagine your life without your favorite person because they just make everything better, not worse. 
your relationship always elevates you. It doesn't drag you down. So hope that was useful. No, it was a little rambling. No, it was very personal. Uh, and I hope it sheds a little bit of light on how you can know someone is the one. Before we go, I just want to share something. I never plug things here, but I wanted to share. I'm doing a flash sale of my signature program, Love You Digital. It is 45% off through Sunday, December 11th. So click on the link in the show notes to take advantage of this amazing opportunity. In the next six months, you will go through six modules of Love You, 280 videos, everything I know in one place, better than this podcast, dare I say. You will learn about confidence, meeting men, dating, understanding men, relationships, and commitment. Each week you get access to about a half hour of video, maybe 10 three-minute videos, audio, transcript, exercise. And by the time you're done, you'll be able to carry yourself with confidence, trust your own judgment with men, and get the kind of safe, easy relationship that I've built my life on. Click on the link in the notes, get started, and act now before the sale's over on the 11th. Thanks a lot. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Thank you for tuning into the Love You podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please share an honest review on Apple. More reviews equals more awareness of the Love You podcast and more love in the world. And if you have everything except a man and you want to have a happy, healthy relationship, I can help you. In Love You, you will gain confidence, learn to trust your judgment, and find a man who makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. Go to www.evanmarkkatz.com and click to watch my free video. When you're done, you could apply to Love You to join hundreds of other smart, strong, successful women in a coaching community where women like you actually get the love you deserve. I'll see you there.